Hey, good morning. This is Greg Grasso with Chapter One. Um, as some of you listeners may know, uh, I, I served during the early '70s. I was a uh, corpsman with the uh, uh, with the U.S. Navy Seabees. Um, thank God I did not see combat, um, but definitely saw the aftermath. Anyway, when I was in the service, I met uh, and hung around with some pretty tough guys. Um, and I learned very early on in my career that the toughest SOB on the planet is a Navy SEAL. So I'm uh, pretty happy to talk with a retired uh, SEAL, uh, Clint Emerson, who, uh, who has just published a, uh, a book uh, called 100 Deadly Skills. And uh, he compiled this, um, uh, this book with techniques uh, and tactics that he learned uh, while in training. It's the SEAL's operative guide to eluding uh, pursuers, evading capture, and surviving any dangerous situation. So, good morning, Clint. How are you, sir? Good. Thank you for having me. Nice meeting you. Yeah, you too, man. You too. Um, okay, so I'm 61, okay? Grew up with Man From U.N.C.L.E. and the combat World War II show and, and then uh, later on Tour of Duty, uh, which was a show about Vietnam. Um, your book, 100 Deadly Skills, uh, i got to tell you, <laughs> it's a cool book. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a cool book in, in that, you know, it, it, uh, I think it attracts the, uh, the warrior in us uh, if, if, we, if we so choose to let that warrior out. Um, uh, but it's a, it's a kind of a neat book. It has a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of techniques and tactics uh, that you learned as a seal so uh let's just ask you why uh why you did this book um and uh how long it took you to compile all this well it's uh you know the first piece was you know writing seals writing books has become kind of taboo in our community you know our my peers frown upon it so uh but i i wanted to put out something that um that gave you know, everyone's skills that they could leverage that, you know, I learned, you know, kind of the hard way or trial and error, um, you know, during deployments and uh, during training. So, um, but I knew I wasn't going to break any of the rules of, uh, of uh, you know, my brotherhood, if you will. So I didn't write about operations. I chose not to write about, you know, war stories or my dead buddies. Um, and so I think uh, overall, the book in itself has um, been accepted by my guys, which is uh, still important to me. Um, and then the skills themselves, you know, I, I put those together um, over time. I mean, some of them uh, I learned a long time ago, but ultimately um, each and every skill I think anyone could use, and they're written almost from a uh, predator's point of view, like a good guy predator. Um, it, it follows a theme of the violent nomad who is this guy that roams the planet taking care of bad guys by himself, and it's for the reader to pull and draw from the skills that the violent nomad uses. But there's a little bit of, there's some metaphors there. You know, the, the violent nomad is kind of what you're alluding to, is the warrior inside of each one of us that if we have to tap into it, then we should. Um, hopefully no one ever has to use these skills, but it's better to know it than not. Right, right. Um, a lot of these skills, uh, well, like skill number 65, which is to, 
deliver a devastating elbow strike. Um, I, I did a little uh, Wing Chun when I was in the service. I, I studied under a guy by the name of John Rossetti out of uh, San Diego during the early 70s. John was a uh, uh, Wing Chun master, and, uh, you know, I'm still learning. Uh, I still, you know, train. I still practice. Um, some of these techniques takes, take time but a lot of this stuff uh anybody can 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 uh, uh develop and then execute um i li- <laughs> i'm sorry i'm I, you know I, I just like this book because there's so many things in here that i uh played around with as a child like uh, uh skill number 38 detect tampering of personal effects i was <laughs> I'm, I'm a young kid in early teens i see this uh a spy show, and this, uh, the guy wants to see if anybody's going into his hotel room. He takes a piece of hair out of his head, sticks it on the door jam uh, with a little bit of uh, a little, little bit of um, uh, uh, saliva, and uh, of course, if someone were to open that, he could. Uh, you, you can actually uh, see that that it had been tampered with. Um, what um, <laughs> what what's one of your couple of your favorite things in here? Um, uh, because there's there's just so much. I mean, there's some really neat stuff in here. Uh, so so give me yeah, a, give me a couple. Yeah, a couple probably you know spurted out into different types of uh, personality. I mean, for the techie folks, um, mm-hmm. one of my favorites is you know taking the disposable camera with a flash and turning it into a taser. <laughs> um, simple MacGyver kind of tricks of the trade where um, you can leverage the capacitor inside of those cameras that's a um, basically a temporary energy it's like a battery but it discharges and and charges much faster than a battery hmm. which uh, allows you to kind of throw some wires in there hook them up to some screws and uh, it, it'll still look like a camera but um, something you can carry around and uh, deliver a little jolt of uh, electricity to an adversary um, yeah and for the uh, the mixed martial artists out there it's uh you know, the devastating elbow strike certainly is a favorite, um, you know, for close-in kind of mm-hmm. um, or close-quarter type fighting. Uh, you've got more surface area on your ulna. I kind of go through a little bit of the anatomy and physiology that, you know, most don't, uh, you know, throw out there, like keeping your hand open versus a fist when right. you're throwing an elbow because a fist actually encapsulates mm-hmm. your uh, forearm muscles around your ulna. And mm-hmm. the whole idea is... You want that bone to be revealed so that it makes positive contact with uh, your adversary's face. And then, um, you know, for uh, the techie guys out there, you know, computer guys out there, I put in um, how to, uh, you know, how to send an honest email. And, of course, it's written from the violent nomad's perspective, which is a predator, if you will. But the reader will be able to learn, okay, uh, having that anonymous piece uh, or that capability uh, allows you to surf the net, you know, send emails, um, you know, pay your bills, do lots of things, and completely avoid um, identity fraud or uh, data theft, um, which is, you know, obviously getting more and more popular these days. Um, so I tried to put, sprinkle a little bit of uh, all the different threats that we face today uh, into the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm... I'm all right, let me just say this. Uh, this book is f- cool 
because I'm into a lot of this stuff. I know a lot of people into a lot of this stuff. Uh, um, as a Navy SEAL, you, you don't you have the the weapons, the gadgets, uh, so on and so forth when you deploy. Um, why would a why would a navy if a navy seal is equipped and let's say he's into or undergoing a clandestine operation um these are these are tricks of the trade that that allows the operative to survive if he loses those gadgets and weapons or <laughs> i mean um yeah for the for the most part i mean these are these are skills that through the storyline of the book or, you know, uh, more of an operative, but, um, real life is, yeah, we have to kind of, if, if all else fails, we have to adapt to our environments and improvise everywhere we can, um, in order to ensure mission success. So yeah, we, we're loaded to, we're loaded, right? I mean, we've got every weapon we want. We've got tons of technology in the sky and, um, you know, we can get, get things done in a very effective, efficient manner. But we always uh, assume things are going to go bad, and we always plan for them. So that's where, you know, some of these skills come in handy. Yeah, um, yeah. the impression most people get are, are uh, is that Navy SEALs and uh, black op guys, special forces guys are in, in, indestructible, invincible, um, but... Being a corpsman, of course, you you understand that we're just flesh and bones. <laughs> and, That's right. Uh, and you know, one can get hurt um, pretty pretty terribly. Um, so, what are you doing? With, okay, here, here, here's here's something. Uh, when I finish the book, here's something that I thought of immediately. Okay, great book. Um, what are we going to do when this gets in the hands of the bad guys, though? Well, uh, first and foremost, I think, you know, these days with uh, video games kill people, movies kill people, TV shows kill people, books kill people, yeah. uh, I think it's a given, right? I mean, no matter what you put out there, you have to assume it'll get leveraged or utilized by nefarious individuals. But I like to believe that more good people are reading books these days uh, versus bad um, and then uh, a lot of these skills bad guys uh, are already doing and familiar with and probably been doing it for decades. And uh, so, I'm, you know, it's, um, it's a double-edged sword, whether you put out a book on how to be a good marksman or knife fighting or you name it. Um, right. Right. Yeah, it can always be leveraged for bad. But, um, you know, when I was doing some book signings, I always write in there, you know, Skills for good, not evil. Right, right. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. No matter what we do these days, someone's going to take it and try and use it for, you know, use it for bad. You can't really prevent it. Right. But good information out there uh, for good people because you know, you being former military and myself, if you, um, you know, basically identify and um, and and open up. Uh, people's eyes to the bad guy tactics. Essentially, you're taking those tactics away from them. Yes. Um, and so people just read the book and never once use one of those skills. Well, just that knowledge alone increases their awareness like a hundred times. Yeah. So um, you know, they'll know what's they'll know what bad looks like when it comes walking around the corner. Yeah. What? 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 Um, hmm. 
What turns a uh, a guy like you who uh, I understand you you were raised in Saudi, um, or, or correct? You, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, your dad um, taught at uh, uh, where was it? Uh, or he worked for uh, he worked for one of, he worked for the oil company over there, Aramco. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, right, right, yeah. right. I remember Aramco. Okay, yeah, I remember them looking for. Uh, all, all kinds of skilled labor engineers, uh, even doctors, things like that. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, they're big, right? I mean, they're huge. Oh, biggest, yeah. biggest in the world. Yeah, Most people just don't know it. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and what are we doing buying it from them? Anyway. Um, <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. Uh, believe me, I'd, I'd love to get you uh, for an hour someday and, and talk to you about uh, all the mistakes that we've made as a as – a, uh, uh, a powerful nation. <laughs> Let's go back a few decades and talk about mm-hmm. that. Anyway, anyway, so you, you, um, uh, your dad worked for Amerco. You were raised in Saudi. Um, you were younger. I mean, you weren't an infant when you went there, were you? You were you know, a child uh, of some age? Yeah, I went over uh, second grade to uh, pretty oh. much had to come back to the States for high school. Wow. That must have freaked you out as a second grader going to going to this new world. Uh, yeah, it was a little strange. I remember uh, <laughs> that first uh, that first night waking up, you know, um, totally disoriented, you know, a nose full of uh, sandy boogers, and wondering where the hell I was, <laughs> um, and wandering around in this temporary housing, mm-hmm. you know, place looking for my parents. But uh, wow. it was a uh, yeah, it was an interesting. Um, way to grow up uh inside that country you know it's a closed country and yes you see a lot of stuff that uh no one else ever hears about and uh yeah you know they are it is what it is and uh yeah as long as that stuff stays over there i'm good yeah i'm with you um so as a child you saw one aspect of of that lifestyle of that culture um so you grow up you decide to become a soldier you uh go through SEAL training, and then you're deployed back to that region as an adult. Yep. So what was different? What was different? Well, yeah, and I, I've, I've said this several times when people ask me about the future of terrorism, and uh, I keep it pretty simple. You know, I grew up over there in that culture, and... Uh, you know, with a certain distaste. You see your mom get treated a certain way. You see your dad treated a certain way. Even I was treated a, uh, a certain way. And none of it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm looking at adult, you know, Saudi men, probably with uh, evil little eyes as a, as a you know, a 10-year-old, mm-hmm. um, thinking to myself, you know what, if I could just, you know, kick your uh, your your butt someday I would and uh <laughs> and then you grow up you know and I'm like whatever you know as, a, as an adult I'm like yeah that, that culture and Islam they, they do whatever they want I was the visitor you know but you know I got to see you know how they are and uh and it a little bit of that distaste you know puts a little seed in you that you know stayed with me and so you know I grew up to become a, a seal and um then I find myself in in Iraq and other regions of this planet where um, Islam is the predominant religion. And I started noticing kids, you know, looking at me probably the same way I looked at Saudi men. And it dawned on me that, okay, 
here are these kids looking at me like I'm the bad guy. And, um, and I, I, I realized very quickly that no matter how much we go and do things for the greater good of a country or for this planet, you still have generations of kids that view us as the bad guy. Yeah. And we're putting that seed of distaste in them that when they grow up, they want to kick our butts and right. they want to kill us. Right. And But the big difference here is that I had to show how powerful that seed is as us Americans, we have all these opportunities. I could have been a lawyer, a doctor. You could have been. You can be whatever you want to be. Um, but I still that seed stuck with me, um, and so I uh, I relate it, you know, directly to the future of terrorism. Where now we've put these little seeds of hate into all hundreds of thousands of kids, and uh, and now that's our future that we have to deal with. So. Um, it's kind of a gloom and doom picture, but it's reality. You know, we've uh, they, they don't know that we're trying to do the right thing every time we make a move over there. They just know that okay, you're the guys that killed my dad, my my dad's uncle, or my uncle, my brother, my grandpa, whoever. Um, and it's unfortunate. It's an unfortunate cycle that uh, that we we can't uh, we can't really come up with a solid solution other than we need to find a way to get a generation of children liking us, vice hating us, to really turn the terrorism switch off. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, I've talked to many uh, authors like yourself who were either ex-military or, you know, ex-special forces, whatever, uh, even ex-lawyers that uh, hang out with you guys and write books about you guys. Um, it's, uh, it, 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 it's so apparent that, that, um, that yes, they, that, those cultures have conditioned those children to, to, to have one ideology and, uh, um, th- with no opportunity. With no opportunity. Right. <laughs> That's the big one, you know. Right. right. They uh, they have no other choices. They they grow up uh, adhering to uh, their religion, and you know, and you know, going to college, and you know, becoming a doctor, and all these things is not even. Uh, it's a very it's a very tough endeavor for them. It's not as easy as it is for us growing up over here. Yeah. So they they're left with one thing, and that's uh, become a mar- mitre, mar- martyr. Uh, Martyr. Martyr. Yeah. I can't yeah. speak English right yeah. now, but, and, uh, you know, yeah. so, be welcomed into the kingdom of Allah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I, I hear, you know, I hear a little bit of anger, uh, a little bit of frustration, but I also hear uh, some empathy and compassion. Um, most of the soldiers that I talk to um that i know or have had relationships with or whatever um uh you know we all went into the service because of our parents were in or you know the it was just something that we felt we needed to do uh, and i um you know this patriotic belief that uh, i was raised with uh, i had family of military people but um Seals, uh, seals have to have a heart. I mean, you, you guys, I can, I can just see you. You know, I, I've never been to Afghanistan. I've never been with a SEAL team on a combat mission. So I, I, but I can kind of 
I don't know, kind of understand. Uh, when you go into a village or when you were, when you were working over there, um, uh, either collecting information or hunting down bad guys, part of the job was the local population. Part of the job was the public relations end of, 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 of the military or of what we're, right? I mean, you guys just didn't walk in there. Uh, you developed relationships with, with some of the community members, I guess, right? I mean, well, yeah, I mean, that's always the goal. You, what we don't, mm. we, we have limited pieces on that. I mean, like special forces, that's, they're, they're really good at that. And that's been their primary job since Vietnam. And, okay, gotcha. you know, they, those guys did do a great job showing the flag and, and, and trying to get when win hearts and minds. Okay. Um, and it's very important, you know, it's a, an important element of, uh, of, of war as strange as that sounds, but, uh, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard, you know, you're talking limited troops in a, in a massive populations and, uh, you know, the majority is the majority of ideology and thoughts is always going to win, unfortunately. So it's hard to change all those minds. Um, now, especially, you know, when we first went into some place like Iraq, you have people cheering on the side of the road that America was there. And then that quickly changed once they realized, wait a minute, you just totally screwed up my business or my house or, you know, all of a sudden they, you know, having Saddam in power wasn't such a bad deal after all. <laughs> but Because uh, economically, they, you know, they got hurt and um, they decided, well, you know what, we don't like them. Uh, and, uh, obviously that's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to ebb and flow through time, you know, where some, some of the, uh, years in Iraq will certainly be, uh, better than, than others. And, you know, I mean, if you look at Europe and World War II, I mean, heck, we've, uh, our occupation of Europe has still hasn't stopped. We have bases all over the place and, uh, it took a really long time to rebuild Europe and, just fortunately, we weren't the bad guys. Uh, you know, the Nazis were, and so we just came in to help. But regardless, to rebuild an area, and uh, um, especially an area that you know we're you know we're viewed as responsible for tearing up, it's it's uh, it's much more difficult. Right. As a, as a Navy SEAL, when you were deployed, uh, we see we see TV shows and we read books about this all the time about you guys. Um, getting to your target and bad intel um you know what do you what do you do when when you're a member of four or five guys and you've got a you've got a target you've got to uh acquisition and and uh you get there and it's like oh boy this is not what we were expecting i mean how do you I would be freaking pissed, number one, at where I'm getting the intel. I'd be really freaking pissed at the higher-ups sending me on this mission. How do, you, how do you handle that emotional stuff? Because not everything goes right. Uh, no, and, and, you know, more times than not, you, you may end up in what we call a dry hole, right? You go to a target and everybody's gone, or worse, you show up and they know you're coming. Um, so, you know, we've learned... One, we don't get emotional about the intelligence. The the intelligence community does the best they can with the tools they have to collect the most accurate information possible. But um, 
you know, we we already know, okay, you know, we'll, we'll go and we'll find out. And there's always probabilities with a lot of this, you know, mm-hmm. like 90% sure, 80% sure, 50% sure. And operationally, we we get some say in, in the decision-making, you know, when you know, when you're talking about certain operations, you know, like, oh, well, that's not worth it. You know, you can give it to, you can give that operation to somebody else, you know. Um, hmm. So, yeah, yeah, emotion, we try to stay untied and, you know, you show up at a target and nothing's there. You make the best of it, right? I mean, you search the place, you look for anything you can, that may be valuable and, you know, you make the most of it and drive on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I did, uh, uh, well, I was a corpsman, but when I was in an emergency situation, you you react on your training and your instincts. You get through the job, and then if you got to break down, you break down. I broke down many times uh, after being in a triage situation, let's say, and then, uh, you know, I, I mean, you, the emotions have to go by the wayside or else you can't do your job, and I guess that's the same damn thing you say. And um, In order to do your job, you've got to... You've got to put that wall in front of you, I suppose, um, just like any other job, I guess. Uh, huh. Right. You shelve it, and you come back to it later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or it'll come back to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, 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 right. So, um, so what are you doing now, man? Uh, how long you been out? How long you been out? You've just been out, like, recently, right, within the past year? You've retired? Or... Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> When I was, um, my last couple of years in, I basically burned it at both ends. I'd be halfway around the world, but still working on building the foundation to my company, mm. uh, knowing that when I stepped out of the military, I wanted to be able to pay myself. So I started a company called Escape the Wolf, and uh, it plays on a, on a metaphor that uh, Grossman at West Point mm-hmm. pretty much made popular, and that's sheep, sheep, dogs, and wolves. Yeah. Um, escape the wolf really literally means, okay, how to how, escaping today's threats. And the wolf is represented by, you know, cyber attacks. It's represented by mm-hmm. workplace violence. The wolf comes in many forms. So I came up with the, the company and the concept to put it all together. And what we're doing is um, building customized policies and best practices for small, medium, large companies, you know, so... Mm-hmm customize their workplace violence policy. We customize their cyber best practices policies. Hmm. Um, And we also do, you know, travel abroad program, basically anything under the crisis management umbrella. We we build policy and best practices, and then we take that information or those policies and doctrine. We turn it into curriculum. Mm -hmm. Uh, That curriculum gets turned into e-learning and videos, and then we deploy it onto that company's servers and then their employees are then required to take it and that's kind of the uh the big nuts and bolts of what escape the wolf does and we also do some threat and vulnerability assessments we look at companies infrastructure and make sure that it's truly secure um and uh some other sensitive type stuff that we get that are kind of oddball requests that are fun um from time to time as well Hmm. Were, are are you techie yourself? Um, are you an uh, electronic guy, or or what, what's your oh, what's your skill set? Uh, I would still be somewhere between novice and journeyman. I mean, level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like it, and I play around and dabble in it. You kind of have to be these days mm-hmm. uh, to be a SEAL. You got to understand technology. But um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's I'm definitely not 
obviously I don't do it for a living, so I, I wouldn't right. consider myself an expert by any means. Right. Um, yeah. What What was uh, uh, What were you really good at? Uh, well, like you, I started. You know, once you become a SEAL, you have to have a job, and and my job was a corpsman as well. So no. I went to really. Uh, no, yeah, I went to the Special Operations Medical School. I went through 18 Delta in the Army. Um, so they give you, you know, yeah. you get regular corpsman school, but then they give you, like, you know, all these medical schools to make you the best uh, the best um, subject matter expert in any country you land in. So, yeah, um, oh, yeah wow. it was good stuff, you know. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, when yep. I, when I uh, did my training, um, we... we we trained a lot differently than they train now. I mean, hell, we were doing, we were doing sutures and skin grafts back then, and now you've got to be a registered nurse or a PA to do this kind of stuff. It, um, so it was, it was, you know, I, I've got a skill set that a lot of people don't have, and you know, I don't use it very often. But yeah, very cool, very cool. Huh. So Corman, huh? Nice. Yes, sir. Nice, nice, nice. So, um, what do you? Uh, what what are you working on um, other than your business? Are you are you planning to do any more writing or uh, are you going to do any uh, 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 speeches? I mean, are you out for hire to come in and talk to, uh, let's say, a city municipality or something? Because um, because uh, especially in light of recent events, um, uh, I see I see a lot more crap coming down the road here. Yeah, no, I'm. Um, I've definitely have been doing um, speaking engagements uh, all over the place, and also, um, you know, writing articles and stuff. And and you know, we're looking at book number two um, to uh, kind of take take people's skills to the next level. But um, it's all kind of in the works. But speaking engagements are, I keep those flowing pretty regularly and. And I and I enjoy them, so I'd be happy to you're help having, out uh, your area. Or you're having fun. Yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, after uh, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I think like most veterans, we get out, and it's like, uh, what do I do? <laughs> I, know, and, uh, what, I know. What I inevitably end up doing is just saying yes to everything. Like, yeah, oh, sure, why not? Gosh. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, oh. sure, why not? And uh, you know, and then your schedule gets booked, and you're like, huh, yeah. all right. You're like I'm not bored anymore. You're like me. You're like me. Yeah, I uh, I started talking to authors five years ago just for the hell of it. I I was bored one day and I said, you know what? I'm going to call David Baldacci and see if he'll talk to me. And he did. And he kind of opened the door. And I, you know, I'm talking to these wonderful uh, thriller writers and uh, really intelligent guys like yourself who write these types of books. And I'm having a blast. I'm not getting paid, but I'm having a blast. And and so, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about the same thing, man. Is is I'm just having fun with uh, with what I'm doing right now. Uh, you know, building building relationships and talking about certain things. Um, we don't have time today, but I I yeah, I'd love to talk to you uh, and others like you on on how you see the next twenty thirty years coming down the road. Um, when I got out of the service, I didn't go. I tried to go back into medicine, but I couldn't. Um, and so I went into the defense contract business, and 
worked on some Saudi stuff in the in the 70s and the B1B Titan missile, cruise missile, that kind of stuff. And um, it's led me to uh, talking to great guys like yourself. So uh, you married? You got kids? Uh, what do you do for fun? Um, I'm part of the statistics, you know, <laughs> career of being a SEAL puts us at, what, 95% divorce rate? So, yep. yeah, divorce, <laughs> um, yeah, and for fun, I mean, when I'm not, like, working, I try to stay in shape and sign up for different adventure races and uh, mm-hmm. photography, you know, when you, uh, when you take pictures of bad guys all the time, you, you become a pretty good, yeah, photographer. pretty good at, with cameras, so now I... Mm-hmm. I like taking trips and just doing scenic shots and things like that. And that's uh, it's, uh, that's um, a nice little uh, release from reality. Is it a diversion or or getting to be something you you're gonna love? Uh it's definitely something I like. So it's um, I, I definitely enjoy it. And I, uh, I told myself I wouldn't hang anybody else's art on my walls when I can hang my own. So I uh, you know, I take pictures and. And then I uh, blow them up, put them on canvas, and, you know. Really? Nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. Huh. That's, uh, that's kind of the spare time and be a good dad, of mm. course. Yeah. So. Yeah. How old, uh, well, you don't have to get into it, but you got how many children? Just one. Just one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, you're what, in your 40s now? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a, <laughs> yep, 41. 60-year-old 40 guy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. Oh God, crazy man. Um, hey, anything you want to? Uh, anything you want to add? Um, you know, I would love to get into. You know, some. Well, I don't want to get into a lot of this stuff because uh, it's it's just the warrior in me that likes some of these improvised techniques. Uh, but uh, is there anything you want to add on uh, uh, on this book or who you are? Or? No, I uh, I would say you know it's um, all the we just got some pretty cool videos up and running at mm. uh, 100deadlyskills.com. Mm-hmm. So that's 100deadlyskills.com, and you can uh, it's kind of a, a little taste or sampling of uh, of the future there of where 100 deadly skills might be going, but who knows? We'll see. Um, and there's a newsletter there if people want to sign up and find out the, the latest, greatest with, with uh, the book and other things that might be brewing in the future. So, um, And all the links, really. Anybody who decides they want to buy the book, all the links, the publisher, hmm. uh, put all the links on there to where you can buy the book, Amazon, Barnes and & Nobles, and, and many others. So hmm. um makes it easy for uh, people to grab a copy. Great. So one more question. One more question. You're retired. You've, you're done. Um, would you ever go back if you were asked? Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Sure. Cool. I mean, um, cool. you know, I told myself that 20 was plenty to give to your country, and, uh, you know, the rest is for you. So, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, and, and, you know, being a dad is priority right now, but I tell you, if they, uh, yeah, I, I don't know a SEAL or, heck, I don't know too many, uh, too many soldiers these days yeah. that yeah. say yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Great. Well, um, Clint Emerson, a uh, pretty, pretty, pretty comprehensive book, 100 Deadly Skills, The SEAL Operative's Guide to Eluding Pursuers, Evading Capture, and Surviving Any Dangerous Situation. Uh, Navy SEAL retired Clint Emerson. Um, thanks a lot, man. It was good talking to you. I hope that 
maybe we can connect down the road, talk about some other stuff. Um, and I'll be following you on your uh, website and uh, uh, and hopefully encouraging uh, everybody I know um, to get this book. It's pretty pretty neat. I like it. All right. Well, hey, thank you for uh, for the push, and it was great talking to you. Well, thanks a lot, Clint. You, you uh, be safe and uh, watch your back. You too. Thanks, man. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye.